Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of the In The Saddle podcast with me your host Chris Loder and I'm joined this week by my co-host Marcus Horoski and also as well our special guest Peter Finch. You might know Pete on Twitter, he uses the handle at RacingPete and he's been around now for quite a while. Um, he uh, is a subscription tipster, he used to run a channel called Bet Racing Nation and we're going to be getting to know a little bit more about him in this podcast. So let's go right to the beginning Pete. Um, where did it all start for you? Um, the betting side. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the very, very beginning. Um, my dad used to be a used to have a couple of um, shops in the East End of London, so I was brought very much up. And excuse my voice this afternoon, but I'm just getting over the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> and he had a couple of shops in the East End of London, so I was watching racing all the time. Not really taking much into, in, in much notice of it, but in those days, you used to have the old curtain rails outside the shops. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're like, not like now, they, were, they, look, they would look like um, um, brothels in the old days, with the, the, the stripy things to go into the doors. I wouldn't know what they look like, Pierre. No, I mean, I, I haven't been to a brothel yeah. for years. Um, um, but, so I was brought up watching racing, and to be honest with you, I was a terrible punter, really from the time I was 18 onwards I mean I would not only would I bet stupidly but I would just borrow money and be an idiot really and I didn't really understand racing until I was about 30 and when the penny dropped you started thinking about things differently yeah absolutely and you started thinking about well hold on a minute I'm I'm in debt I've borrowed money I'm I'm betting on everything that goes up a wall and just to take things yeah to take things more seriously because that they, in those days it was just a matter of you know going into a betting shop two o'clock race 20 pound two ten 20 pound and just look, looking at the name not even studying form so that had to change and actually when i started up my own bet racing nation station 2012 was when i really took it seriously so that was only what eight years ago 42. I mean, before that was more smarter, but it was at that time that I, I needed to take it seriously. And, and how did you decide to get take it seriously? Did you do any work before that, like in the media or like producing side of things? How, how did it all come about? Well, my background was more in the, in the football side. I used to work in football for 15 years with all the clubs' websites and stuff, and started a lot of those up. So I made quite a lot of money out of that. And it was just a point of deciding not to waste my money, which, which, is, which is what I would have done 30 years ago, and just to, to, to bet more wisely. When, I bet, when you bet more wisely, you've got to take notice of singles and, and, and value, even though I, I have this debate about value. Value is only if you've got a winner. I mean, today I backed a seven to one last night. It's five to two. It's value if it wins, but if it doesn't win, I, I, don't, regard it as, well, I don't regard it as value. Yeah. But a lot of people see it differently so I think you can have an edge when you've watched so much racing over the years you get a, a gut feeling an inclination you study up you have to look at replays which is far different to what anything that I did before far different I often find that sort of newer generation coming through they don't a lot of them don't want to take the time to actually do, in the, do the studying and a lot of them are just interested in arbing um, and obviously you're actually willing to watch the videos, yeah. do the time, do the studying, you know? What you get, I mean, it's quite obvious to me. I mean, I follow one or two other tipsers, which will remain nameless, but it is blatantly obvious that what they do in the morning is they just see which, which colours go blue mm-hmm. on, on odds checker. And I think the benefit of what I do is 
I'd like to think I make those go, those go blue. Um, I don't have any thought in process in my mind. Um, this price is short, and so that's that. Take a look at it. I have to make a judgment on what I think is the wrong, wrong price. And 90% of the time, and I was doing one stat in February that one, one of the 26 winners ended up bigger price. It's 25 of those 26 won at a shorter price. Do you, than what just, I do you think that's just the weight of money or the people you subscribe to? Or do you think it's the fact that possibly. Do you think it's traders keeping an eye on what you're doing? Possibly. I mean, I've had an, I've had all my accounts closed since 2012. So uh, that's when you start. That's when you know you're doing right. Yeah. You know because. I didn't have one account closed from 19, whenever they started, maybe late 90s to 2012. The very fact that I didn't have one suspended or one taken away shows me I wasn't doing it right. So it shows me that I do it, I do it right now, that I have to rely on friends and family. And even those are run out. I mean, I, I started one not long ago and already that one was restricted this week. So it's, it's tough going, but there's always a way of getting them on because the thing is I, I, I sort of work for the enemy now so I'm Paddy Power Betfair yeah. and obviously I know sort of the little tricks how they catch people like, there's so many ways like, well funny you should say that because Paddy Power funny enough they, they were one of the first that restricted me and I, I I do bet with them but I only bet with them on the basis that if I'm 100% certain that price is going to go shorter I actually I've been restricted as well. This is actually a losing sportsbook account. And I got restricted as well. And obviously I can prove it, I can show that. Yeah. Because you've seen the account. Um, which is bizarre. I mean, it's, it's £2 anti-post, £2.50 anti-post champion hurdles. I mean, it's just what's the point, you know? Yeah. But the, the problem is, there is... I, I mean, I don't know the percentage, but there's a lot of people, like I w was back in, back in my 20s, that bet now. And you can tell that by the fact that, you know, I, I'd like to think, because it makes a profit and it has made a profit in the last couple of years, that I know what I'm doing. So for people to question me when they, you know, when you get one out of 10 or one out of 12 or you have a bad week, it just indicates to me that they don't really understand it. It's not, it's not me being big headed. It's just the fact that they expect a, a, a win, a win, a win, a win. Short minded, they're not thinking. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's frustrating because the only ones that do that is, they see a big win or they see a, a three out of four in the day or they see a big double or whatever and they think oh I'll, I'll, I'll join up and subscribe yeah. then you go through that bad patch they can't all win That's no people need to understand. And, and people will go to different people for selections but they might go from me who's having a bad run to to yourself mm. and, and and they get a good run but they don't realize well that good run's going to come to an end yeah um, there are people that are better than others and I like to think that I'm pretty good at what I do. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, the, the profit and loss. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough to do. I mean, it's you know, it was very tough. November, December last year. I mean, I'd gone through the year. I think 42 weeks, and 37 of those, or 38 of those, were winning weeks. By the end of the year, that had become, I think, it was 41.10. So we had, we had six losing weeks in the last 10 of. Of the year, it's impressive. Mm. See, right. do you know, just looking at your selections, one thing that I do notice is the bumper horses they get smashed. Do you think that's just the fact there's an ignorance from the traders' point of view they're getting the prices wrong, or do you think it's the weight of money? I, I think it's an ignorance of the traders. I mean, not on the it's not going to be on top of their agendas <coughs> a bumper race at Wing Canton or a bumper race at Sedgefield. It's just not at the top of their agenda. They're guessing 
you know, and there's a lot of non-specialist people, I would imagine, and I don't work in the trading department, yeah. you maybe can't suspect than me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's probably people, but you're dealing with everything, you're not just dealing with racing, you're dealing with football, you're dealing with tennis, you're dealing with golf, and I suppose you've got to be a jack of all trades, whereas people who specialise in racing are specialists. You're, you're up against the specialists. There's too much reliant on Betfair, in my opinion, and because there's not enough liquidity in the market overnight, any sort of move, the price is going to go. Um, it's all about the price, all about the bet for a price. And a lot of these companies are getting feeds. Let me ask you then, from a trading point of view, how do these prices get put up? Because a lot of them, you look at them and think, wow, there's, a, there's not only a differential between them. You know, Paddy Power might be 16s and Bet365 might be 8 to 1. How has that happened? And secondly, how does that get priced up? It's because each bootmaker gets a feed from a different company. Very suddenly, I think it's only Bet365 do, do their trading in-house, their prices. Everyone else gets a feed. I say like your sports radar, for example. Yeah. Um. What you could obviously what you can probably look at is there'll be three or four bookmakers all going the same price, and one will be a standard. That'll be the one that's not getting a live feed. It's getting externally from a third party. Right. Um. So they're not actually controlling the prices. All they're yeah. really doing is managing the customers. I mean, I would say. I mean, I there are a lot of tips as to look at the blue colours in the morning. What's the most important? That's not the most important. The most important is to have as many accounts as you can possibly have and get the best price. It doesn't matter if a horse goes blue in the morning. You've probably lost the price anyway. I mean, take for example the seven to one today. You look at the morning; it's four to one, and it goes five to two. You're getting four to one, but you're still not getting the seven. Yeah. Of um, but my point is that you've got to have a number of bookmakers open because Paddy Power might be two points clear. And I get so many people that go. The price has gone because they're just using Bet365, and the price does go. But you still, you know, they might go. Oh, the price has gone. It's gone from I don't know four to one into two to one, and all the others are still seven to two, three to one. It's because everyone is hammering Bet365. Because obviously you're a very successful tipster. Yeah. Your routine and some other tipsters might have similar routines too. Do you think sometimes if these certain tipsters that use like similar routines and then they get they stumble across a horse and then you get a wave of yourself and maybe a couple of other tips because that's how the price goes yeah possibly i think everyone does it differently i mean i i do it to the point that probably i don't even speak to my other half when she comes in in the evening and i'm on the computer from probably five o'clock sometimes till nine sometimes till eight just looking for each race i mean the, the less meetings the better um, when it comes to a Friday night, it's normally quite busy because obviously you've got to look for every one of them. And I, 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 I think um, that trainers in form is important to me, going, going is important to me, jockeys in form is important to me, and if anyone is particularly travelling from a long way is important to me. So if someone trains in Scotland and they're coming all the way down to um, Kempton, why are they doing that? You know, it's going to cost them. Why is a Newmarket mm. trainer going to Newcastle? Why is an Irish trainer going to um, Carlisle? I mean, that's probably an easier journey, but from Ireland down to, I don't know, Salisbury in, in mm. the summer. Why are they doing that? They're doing it because they, it's costing them to get the horse across and, mm. they, and, they, and they want to win. Yeah, and the trainers miss, miss out on things. Like, there was a number of Irish trainers in the summer last year that would take horses from Ireland across and just take advantage of the linear, linear marks. What was that, that nice one you used? Like, is it McNally? Oh yeah, Roman McNally, yeah, he does the a jam, jam man. Yeah, yeah, he's a jumper one, isn't he? Yeah. He's a jumper trainer. But you get Charles Burns bring one over, you'll get 
you'll get a few other Irish trainers. Yeah, Sean Crawford. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm interested in Tony Martin had two. Gavin Cromwell's another good mm. example of that. Tony Martin had two at Musselburgh about last, a month ago, month and a half. Mm. And he had the, because you actually told me about the night it's before. He's the mouse doctor. Yeah, yeah. And, and he hacked uh, up. Yeah, yeah, before the racing, uh, I think it was, I think it was Lydia? Lydia Hislop. It was a racing, racing TV. She had uh, asked Tony Martin about, about his bumper horse and she mentioned there was a lot of money for it. And obviously he came across, he was oblivious to it, you know. That had been an absolute smash. And obviously Philip, Philip Enright's on the bridle, you know. Farland pull absolutely hacked up, you know, nice double. But yeah, no, it is a, an interesting Yeah, I had one of them, there was an Irish one that I, I put one over and just got beat on the line by a one and listen one. There are things like that which, which won't get picked up. They might get picked up a couple of hours later, they're not going to get picked mm. up. Um, my advice um, to, 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 to people who bet is you need you need patience. And if you haven't got that or, you know, and, and, and I would often get people saying to me, oh, your tips are rubbish, your tips are shit or whatever. It's because they're just, they're, they are joining at a point where all the winners have been had or then they're, they're just they're betting more than what they can afford and my biggest advice is bet within your means if I put up an advised bet it's because I can afford it if you can't afford that let's put it this way you shouldn't be commenting if you're losing what you can afford and if you have a 5 or £10 pound bet and you're losing you shouldn't really be commenting because what you want to do is wait until the tide turns and it will turn and it, it's, it, one thing for me is I've had a number of people who join at a bad period and then when it gets good you don't hear from them again because they've either, they've either left or they've stuck with it and, and, mm. and reaped the rewards you know I had people in November saying well this is rubbish and then one or two people who stayed now were, they're laughing were, now were, aren't they were, yeah, mm. they were rewarded yeah see um, so the next one we're going to ask about so obviously that's how we met yeah BRN yeah um, have you got any regrets about how things ended with that or do you, think, I... you sort of see it as a success doing your own thing getting a platform for yourself? I, I got a platform because it allowed me to then work with um, Racing UK and at the races. So from that perspective, it, it enabled me. I think we went after the bookmakers too much and there wasn't enough money outside of the bookmakers to make it successful. Um, so there wasn't, a, you know, if, if you, I've always been quite against affiliate programmes or bookmakers' money. Not because, not because of its dirty money or anything like that. It's because... I just wanted to run something which wasn't affiliated to, to bookmakers. I wanted running something which, you know, did the opposite of what bookmakers wanted. So I wouldn't say there's any regrets. It's just that there was no money and there was no there was no sponsorship or advertising away from bookmakers. But it taught me a lot. I mean, I'd already known how to produce and I already knew how to present because I'd done that on radio before that, and I also did quite a lot of football stuff for Queens Park Rangers. So that aspect wasn't wasn't a problem for me. It was um, a good basis to get into racing partially, and young people now who try to get into racing, they must find it really difficult to get into because my CV was as good as anyone, and, and I ended up the best. It was probably the best thing that ever happened was moving from at the um, the worst thing that happened for me was moving from uh, to at the races because they sort of promised, oh, we're going to Brentford, it's going to be Sky Sports Racing to come along. So at that point in that October, when I was told there was no job, that's probably the worst point. But looking back, that's probably the best thing that ever happened because it enabled me to do this and start this and do better, if you like, than than I would have done if I stayed there anyway. So it, it worked. It was, there was a bottom bottoming out of disappointment to a couple of months later just realising it was the best thing to do and I've actually done quite well starting things up on my own so I'm, I'm quite happy with the way it's going.
I uh, I really enjoyed Bet Resonation, and obviously, thank you for sort of giving me an opportunity. Yeah. Um, because you didn't have to, because um, we didn't know each other at the time. But I learned a lot, and it sort of gave me, I wouldn't say a platform. I mean, being based in Scotland, there's there's not a lot of opportunities up there, mm. especially gambling industry because everything's down south or Malta, Gibraltar. But it was that sort of exposure, and just sort of made me think. I mean, I, I can do this. I can get a career in the betting industry, you know. And obviously, I met a lot of people through that. Um, and obviously other people around as well. I mean, it was it was quite a good group. A lot of people yeah, have yeah. went further on yeah. in betting. Oh, a lot well of people got good jobs out of it, you know. Um, again, not mentioning no names, but there's one that's gone on to work for Bet Victor. There's another one who put Square in the Air. There's another one at William Hill. So they've all done well out of it. Um, it's a shame though that when it ended, there was only a couple of people. You were one of them, but there's only a couple of people that kept kept in contact. I mean, that tells I you think, a lot about people. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, but you look back on that and think, well, you know, some, I mean, none of them were getting paid for it, but it yeah. was good experience for them. And it was something that I tried to make, um, build upon. And I think in the short term, we did really well. I mean, it was a sort of underground thing um, where people could give an opinion, which I don't think is quite elitist racing. It's very much, a, you know, you see the same old people on it all the time. You know, it's who you know. Um, some of them I don't understand them. They're even on TV, but if they're friends of someone who produces all this, you know, related to nepotism, ex jockey or something, you, you, you can have a link through much easier than someone's on the outside. It doesn't take away the enthusiasm people have got for the sport on the outside. It just makes it doubly difficult to to get involved in. If you like. Do you know? Do you know what's quite interesting? I just after BRN had an interview for Racing UK at the time. And they knew who I was because they were they were watching, and they told me in the interview, "We watch on a Saturday morning." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite strange, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good period there. I think that you know, it was uh, for, for probably a year of that period. I think it was really good, and it's a shame we didn't go any further. But that's the way it goes, really. Uh, it, for myself, as a young person, mm. I have found those barriers quite challenging. Shame that there wasn't a bet racing nation when yeah, I was yeah, yeah. racing, because I might, who knows where I've, I might have ended up. But I definitely think that there, there is still a market out there for an alternative away from. Oh, I do too. From the, um, the big players, as it were. Yeah, well, it's 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 it's, it's more focused on bookmakers, bookmakers sponsorship, bookmakers advertising, and. At the end of the day, it's the punters that make it, and, and there isn't enough for them, you know. I mean, I love the way people on on TV oh, advertise this, and you know, and the bookmakers do the industry no good at all. I mean, we talked about restrictions early on, but restricting people for a twenty, thirty pound bet because they're a bit smarter than a trader, or because they keep winning, to me, is, it, it, it degrades the sport. And you know, I wouldn't have thought you would. It's not guesswork like casinos. Casinos is guesswork. With racing, there's there's a degree of knowledge that can be um, won over anyone who prices up stuff. So it, it's such a shame that most of the restrictions are linked to betting, and it's not going to go away. It's something that we featured six, seven years ago. So it's not something that bookmakers are going to change, but it doesn't do the sport any good because people think, well, I can't get a bet on, and you know. That was the episode you did with uh, John McCrick. Yeah, Jack Banks, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The best one. I mean, poor John, bless his soul. Yeah. You know, he's probably a completely well. He was a completely different character to the one that people mm. saw. You know, off camera, he was as nice as anybody. He would help him out. He, he would, you know, bring your newspaper clippings in. Um, totally different character. When the camera switched on, he was 
on it. He's playing the main villain, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he knew what he knew what he was doing. So, you know what I mean? Him and him and him and Jeff Banks, they would sort of not high five each other, but they knew they got into a good debate. It was just a matter of people having mm. an opinion. Yeah, I worked. There's not enough of that, and just just mm. while we're on the subject. <coughs> there isn't enough of people having an opinion in racing. Mm. If if a jockey gives a horse a bad ride, you should be able to, you should be able to say, look, that jockey was not trying, or that mm. jockey was not. It's just so much of a loving. Um, yeah, I agree. And even like you're just referring to like the podcast. I mean, it's just the same people saying the same things over and over again. It doesn't resonate, obviously, to myself. Yeah. And a lot of other people, a lot of people, yeah. sick of it. You know, they actually want to hear someone's genuine opinion. Um, I, like I mean, I very will be very. I'm not very critical. I'm not going to be someone who's who's lost some money and blame a jockey. But if if a jockey's given it a bad ride, and there might be a half a dozen times in the year that happens. It's not a, if it's not a shit ride. I want to be able to say he's given that a bad ride. Not feel oh the jockey's going to not yeah. talk to me again. We don't know what the jockeys um, are going through during the course of the day. I mean, we all live our lives. You know, mm. you, we've met today, but I don't know what's going through your life. Your life, you don't know what's going through mine. And it's the same with jockeys, they might just have problems. I mean, they might just go to work riding, they've got other things on their mind. And, you know, if, you know, if you're someone like Jamie Spencer, you think, I'll sit at the back, I'll leave it to the last minute. See what Most of the time it works, and then other times... It looks great times, when it works a little bit. Yeah. He actually gave McCollum a good ride in, in Saudi Arabia, but do you know one thing is, you're talking about that is... Do you, do you see how, like, when people start criticising O'Shea Murphy hmm. on Twitter, and he starts liking all the tweets and trolling? Well, what's, what's your view on that? Well, he's probably just... You know, I don't. I've never He's noticed that. Does it all the time, yeah. Is it? I know. I've never noticed that. Mm. People talking out their pocket half the time. Yeah. You know, they're mm. back to O'Shea Murphy. I mean, the, the amount of people that will do an odds-on shot and, and mm. put their donuts on a on a Friday afternoon, you know, get paid five hundred pound for the week or whatever. Have a lot on. <coughs> have a lot on a one to two shot and then blame the jockey. At the end of the day, if you could ride better, you should be you riding yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's not that. It's the it's the frustration. Yeah. See, that's another thing. Horse racing is money orientated, and there'd be a lot of emotion when you're winning money, when you're losing money, because it's money involved. It's not like a football team. It is to a degree like your football team, but it's not as you're not losing. You're only all you're losing if you watch your football team lose is the money that you spent to go and watch them. Mm. But you wouldn't, you know, you if 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 your teams were playing and someone said, "Oh, it's five hundred pound a ticket," you wouldn't do it. But some people out there think, "Oh, it's a one to two shot, a one mm. to three shot. Got to stick five hundred. Just not a way of making two hundred pound." They lose it and then what do they do? They're, they're internet uh, mm. trolls that go on there and crucify a jockey, crucify, but really it's their fault. So mm. They shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Mm. So just sort of going back to, to the subscription service you have at the moment, what's the sort of plans? Any big plans for 2020? Mm, not, not big plans. I mean, I'm very more happy. Winners. With, more winners. Yeah, I mean, we had 226 winners last year. Um, 40, 48 so far this year. Only one, only one in March. February was our best month ever with winners, not with profits, but it was most with winners. And March has been so far one. But I mean, I look back on something like September where I got absolutely mullered, I think, for the first two weeks in September because I think we literally was on four up to about 16 days. Mm. And then ended up getting 24 by the end of it. That's what I mean by patience. Mm. It's all right when they're ticking over. I mean, February was lovely because it was ticking over one a day, one a day, mm. one a day. But the way you do it and you just don't know these things, you could go 10 days without a win and get two lots of threes. Mm. You know, it's like a game of cards, really, to a degree. You know, you get a good hand, bad hand, and things go in your favour, things go against you. Last month, we had 26 winners. We had 16 seconds, you know? So half of those seconds go the other way. It's over 30. Statistically, I haven't really quite worked out how 
Um, much money can be done monthly. But ace and to hand, it's normally between 19 and 24 minutes. It hasn't, apart from February, gone beyond that, and it hasn't gone below that. So I use that as sort of a basis of where I am. And if I'm in the middle of the month and I've only got two or three, I know that there's, there's going to be a nice little... It's a lot of overages, isn't it? You yeah. just keep doing the methodology of this format. Yeah. The winners yeah. are going to come. Yeah, it's, it's, a lack of, it's, a, it's a lack of people's uh, knowledge and also people's frustration and impatience that mm. they just get, you know, I, I, I've lost money and they don't look at it long term I mean I had some of the staff and then going your tips are sh- yeah, yeah. Shit. Well, that's a prime example isn't it yeah I mean that's what you have to deal with that's the hard thing about being a tipster mm. it's great when you're loving it and you're sort of sitting at home and you go boom you know because yeah. you love it the fact that you're getting winners you're not, you don't deliberately mm. put up losers um, and it's just a matter of that that is the harder aspect because you've got, you've got to learn not to reply you've got to say right mm. just let them get on with it because I've, I've had enough people comment in the last year to know that eventually if, if if they go that's fine but if they stay with it they'll they'll be okay mm. I know um, you hate this word value right but I think there's value to be had away from the Cheltenham Festival in oh, smaller yeah. meetings because you see no, one, no one's watching in my opinion no absolutely that's, that's where the winners are yeah of course mm. and that's what you do I mean it's like anybody you know friends close friends family have you got a tip for Cheltenham have you got a tip for the Grand National they, these are people below the people that um, expect winners every day they're mm. the ones that don't even bet every day mm. and think you can find winners from much mm. or Grand National go oh you know my me granny's you're, my granny got the win of the National and you couldn't get you know what I mean it's just people don't understand mm. you can get one of the three mile handicap at Sagefield I mean there will be something up. over Cheltenham that I will fancy and probably do but there won't be I mean I don't know how many races there are six a day 24 25 yeah. races or um, 28, 28 yeah. races I'd probably pick two or three of them mm. And the rest will be looking to see which Irish train has got one at Wolverhampton, mm. which train is travelling from here down to Stratford-upon-Avon or whatever, you know. Because there'll be some plots and people will be scheming mm. in the back of the week oh, from Cheltenham because they, they know about yeah. we, we need We need to be on it the night before, you know. Yeah, but other traders on it. They're not on it either, are they? Because they, cause it's all the system. They don't look... They don't look, they don't look at, yeah, they don't look at a trainer and go, oh, he's bought one over because they, they haven't got the time to do that. It's one thing I think quite strange, and I've, obviously not, not when I was working for Jeff, um, Jeff Banks, it was really good, got a lot of experience. When I was working for Star, it was very much no opinion, just watch Betfair. And I would say, if I'm doing the night shift before and someone comes on for something at a price, I mean, I've been told not to use my opinion. I mean, we had we had some crazy ones, like people laying 10,000 each way, John Butler horses in the morning. And and I'm, I'm looking at the form, duck egg, duck egg, duck egg, 11 or 2, and the price on Betfair. And I've told the head trader, and he's like, Price is fine, and obviously it goes off like seven or four, and the hacks up. And I'm just sitting looking, thinking, that's a prime example. They don't have the knowledge. Yeah. They're just obsessed with Betfair, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. the way the game's going, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think it benefits punters because that's what they, as you said, they the exchange markets don't really move strongly into the morning or into the daytime. Um, I think there are a number of people that just uh, look at a horse, see it being backed, and don't do any research at all. I mean, I'd love to know how many people generally do research. Mm. I know I do, mm. and people can question me if I do or not, but I, I can assure you that I've never shirked a day. Even if, even if I'm, you know, busy, I would do it in the morning. I, 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 to the point of, you know, infuriating my other half, thinking, you know, when's he going to finish, kind of thing. Mm. And sometimes I'd be sitting there, and I'll be prepared to finish at 8 o'clock, and I'm still doing it at 10, because mm. I still have not made up my mind. Sometimes 
when your luck's good, when you're not when your luck's good, but when you when you're on a good run, you sort of make those mm. instinctive decisions quite quickly. You see it, you know. Yeah, when you when it. when you when you when you're deliberating a little bit, you you could sort of not change your mind because I, I tend not to change my mind anymore. But it is a matter of looking at it and going either or, either or. Um, like there's times like when I'm getting loads of seconds. Like I say that famous word to Chris yeah. a lot. I must have killed a priest in a past life, you know? Yeah. It's constantly seconds falling at the last, getting beat a neck, you know? Yeah. It's about the long term, you know? It is about the long term. And and I could, the only time I won't do it this year is I'm getting married. Um, So I won't. I I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to get the invoice and and, uh, come down for the evening. Um, That's the only time I won't do it, you know? I probably didn't do it the night before and probably do it on my honeymoon. So. On the honeymoon, getting your account closed. Yeah, getting your account closed. Um, so yeah I mean if we do go away that is but, but what no, I'm saying won't. is I, I dedicate myself to it so and it's not, there's not I mean people get frustrated with not getting winners but I can assure you that if I'm studying the nothing there's no work I mean if you get beaten in a photograph it's fair enough if you get beaten out of sight there is no worse feeling I don't think for anyone and the phone starts going you know yeah yeah <laughs> bip, bip, bip. Um, there's no worse feeling than you've looked at the race you think oh the makeup of this race is perfect it's good mm. you know pace is here this is what it's and it stays at the back and ends up being it stayed at the back mm. there's no worse feeling than that just so that one at Chelmsford boom so you can't yeah. help it you can't help the way the race is going to be run you no, need a strong pace yeah yeah well whatever mm. you look at the context of the race and you think oh that you'll get that mm-hmm. No, so I think we'll round off this podcast now. So if anyone wanted to become a tipster, what would be your three golden rules? Three golden rules. Mm. If you want to become a tipster, one, do your research. Mm. Take your time doing your research. Um, Secondly, um, try not to take notice of people that give you negative comments because you're going to get them. And thirdly, despite what I say about value, look value look for a horse that is two points bigger than what it should be and back it um there's a difference to me between what i've discussed between winning on value and losing on value but if you get the value mm-hmm. you know if you get a couple of points but you are getting value whether you win or not whether you can reap the rewards of it thank you there pete now that's all we've got time for this week if you haven't done so already you can follow us on social media we're on twitter if you want to follow us on there using our handle at in the saddle pod we're also as well now available on facebook and instagram so go and check us out over there if you haven't done so already and we'll be seeing you soon